Season 2, Episode 3, Fireworks. Don't talk, just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network. for seven hours when a boss man told him to get off. Mr. Mack wanted to talk to him. Manny shook his head, dislodging a dozen beads of sweat which ran in warm streams down his back and chest. Three more hours, he gasped. I'm not getting talked any more hours by you pricks. From his position on the bike, he could see the boss man fume. Manny couldn't even enjoy the frustration though. He just wanted the man gone, the distraction erased. Hours could melt away with no trouble, so long as he was able to zone out and lose himself to the repetition of the action. The boss man stalked off, but Manny's relief was short-lived. He came back quick, this time trailing Mr. Keel. Big man, Mr. Keel. He seized Manny by the scruff of his shirt and hauled him off the bike. Move, the big man growled. Manny's legs were rubber, as they always were when he got off the bike. A shove to his back from Mr. Keel's heavy hand almost sent him sprawling, but soon enough, blood was flowing through his limbs that he could stand and walk unaided the pins and needles sensation in his extremities continued for some time. With both boss mans at his heels, Manny marched down the rows of bikes leading to Mr. Mack's office. Some bikers glanced down to regard him as he passed, but most stared dead ahead, lost to the zoned out trance of endless labor. Manny suspected that if he were to shove one of their bikes over, their legs would just keep pedaling, churning the empty air. Away from his own bike, Manny could greater appreciate the stink of sweat and piss and misery that clung to the air of the basement room like moss on a tree. He wondered if any of the people upstairs ever contemplated where their electricity came from. He hadn't, when he lived among them. He wondered if any of the people upstairs would be roused to action upon learning of the hell made by many to allow a few into heaven. He wouldn't, were he still. Surely this gig must be misery on the overseers as well, he thought. Guys like Keel, like Mr. Mack. Where and how had they failed? to so earn a place here. One-eyed men clung desperately at power, 
in the land of the blind. There were car air freshers hanging from a dozen places in Mr. Mack's office. Manny almost asked what he paid for the collection, but the last second he bit down on the impulse. Mr. Mack eyed him distastefully, the way he might a piece of dog shit that clung to the bottom of his shoe, as if he was worried he might have tracked some in and stained the carpet. Manny was suddenly very aware of himself and the sweaty ruin of his person. He'd always been short and lean, but the God, he could have been say how long on the bike had ruled him down to the nub. His clothes hung loose like a lizard's dead skin that refused to shed. Mr. Mack dropped the file he'd been holding onto his desk. Manny saw his name scrawled over the folder's face. I have been told, Mr. Mack began, that if a thing exists, you can find it. Is that true? Manny stared. What the hell was going on? His neck quirked in a motion that might have been a nod. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to find? A Bible. Manny felt his lips blurt, an eyebrow raised. Is the good word really so hard to come by? It was a special copy, sir. Hearing that last syllable pronounced in his own voice made Manny want to retch. He choked it down, went on. This lady, she had a, a son, lived on the other side of town. He didn't make it long after the city fell and uh, she wanted me to bring back the family Bible, which at that time had been passed down through generations going back to, I think, the fucking War of 1812. Why they wouldn't fudge the date and say it came from the Revolutionary War, who knows. The house had long since been ransacked, those savages outside the keep gnawing it down to the bone. So how then did you recover the book? Manny thought, by the liberal application of blowtorch flame to the toes of the unforthcoming. By supplying one of the outer city's gangs with enough hardware to go on a terror spree that left a dozen dead. By selling off enough food and water that might have kept dozens more alive. Out loud, he said, Oh, you know, wheeling, dealing. Everything has its price, and everybody does too. Mr. Mack seemed to consider this. We have a job we'd like you to perform, he said at last. Sir, Manny began, my sentence is nearly up, and I'm, I'm really not looking to <laughs> extend my stay here. What's the matter? Keel rumbled. Not up to your standards? No. No, of course not, but but I... Listen, inmate, Mr. Mack cut in. We're not looking to extend your stay. Officer Mustafa has people packed into jail cells tight as sardine cans, waiting for a chance to get on a bike and work their sentences off. So, you do this, and we call it square. You go free. For a moment, Manny's brain was so flooded he could not even think, let alone speak. At last, he managed to stammer, what, what, what do you want me to find? 
it's going to be the 4th of July soon, and the Man McRae wants to hold a big festival, get people's spirits back up after the kaiju thing. Manny's mind spun. Had he really been down here so long? What kaiju? There'll be music, dancing, all kinds of games, bullshit like that. Should be fun, I suppose. So, so what do you need me for? Mr. Mac's nose crinkled. The carpet was indeed stained, and the smell was starting to hit. Fireworks, Manny. He needs you to find him fireworks. According to the internet, the earliest recorded use of fireworks was in 9th century China during the Tang Dynasty. It was believed then, and perhaps still is, that to write in the sky with fire would dispel evil spirits. The alchemist who discerned the mixture was seeking eternal life as they do, but sulfur, charcoal, and potassium nitrate did not extend life. It became gunpowder. And so the modern world was born. The recipe seemed easy enough, but Manny knew that such archaic means would not create the impressive effect needed. Colored fireworks were not invented until centuries later, when Italian inventors began mixing in metals like strontium. But unless Manny wanted to go around breaking cathode ray tubes of every monitor and TV screen, he would need to be a little more creative. Mr. Mac had allowed Manny the use of a shower to provide him with a change of clothes. Even still, he drew odd stares from passerby as he made his way down the street. Maybe it was the deep bags under his eyes, or maybe the grotesque thinness of his limbs. Or maybe it was the eyes themselves. He caught a look at himself in the bathroom mirror and almost fallen backward as he lurched away from the scarecrow leering at him. When he came back to himself, he realized it was only a mirror. He spent a long time considering this reflection. He supposed to look like him, enough anyway but the eyes that stared back at him resembled nothing he remembered. God, had he always been so ugly? Well, let them stare, many thought. Let their idol be interrupted with a reminder of how quickly the bottom can drop out from your cozy little life. Let them consider how much they have to lose. He felt his mouth break into a rictus grin and now he truly did resemble a scarecrow, lurching towards you stiff limb from a dream you could not hope to escape. Passerby fled. He rejoiced 
The inner glee only subsided when he reached Higgins' apartment complex. He steeled himself, removing all tremor from his body and, he hoped, his voice. Manny pressed the button. Hello? came the familiar voice. Open up. It's me, Manny said. There was a long, pregnant pause from the other side of the buzzer. But you can't, you can't be there, Higgins said. Yet I am. Now open up, we've got work to do. Manny was actually surprised when the buzzer rang, but it made sense in a way. Higgins was too much of a coward to disobey an order, even if the order was madness even if following the order meant his own death. And oh yes, Manny intended to kill him. He felt a bolt of fury pass through him when Higgins' face appeared from behind his own door, a face pale and sickly beneath the rash of acne, a couple dozen unexploded mines waiting to detonate. The problem with a guy like Higgins, Manny thought as he pushed by him, was that he lacked imagination. Not that he couldn't make up a lie. No, Higgins lied with pretty much every breath he took. But he had no concept of the long term, of actions and consequences existing beyond himself. He was a creature of need, who always needed, and what he needed at any given time was to survive from one moment to the next. In a way, Manny could not even fault the wretch for selling him out to the order officers. It had probably seemed like a good idea at the time, the only course of action possible. Manny, though, he had plenty of imagination, and watching Higgins scramble to tidy up the shithole of an apartment, he was using much of it to design all kinds of punishment for his former partner. But first, the job. He took a seat in Higgins' armchair, the shaggy one that seemed to expand around and embrace you. And while he sat, he caught the reprobate up on what needed to get got. Higgins' weasel eyes twitched. Even in his terror, the promise of a good score short-circuited self-preservation. What I can't figure, Manny concluded, is why old man McRae would suddenly get a bug of his ass about this now. What makes him think that there are even fireworks to find? We all saw some last month, Higgins said. Off Manny's stare, he stammered, Nah, well, nah, well, uh, you know what I get to the point. From outside the keep, Manny said. They were only firing off for a few minutes, but it was an impressive show. You know how McRae gets when he thinks someone has something he doesn't. Manny felt the rictus grin form across his face. Get the word out to the outside. Find out what they have and what they want for it. The, the thing is, things aren't uh, great between us and them right now. Higgins scurried off.
no matter how much time he spent down there, Manny would never get used to the sewer. He wrinkled his nose, trying to blot out the worst of the stink. But worse than the stink was the atmosphere. Water dripped, pebbles fell, the concrete pipes taking these sounds and amplifying them a hundredfold. It was silly to be afraid, he knew. He and Higgins were both armed, and besides, every sensible person knew that 90% of the stories about what happened outside McRae's keep were exaggerated nonsense. But that still left the 10% that wasn't exaggerated. And in the dark, in the cold, anything seemed possible. Without even realizing it, Manny moved closer to their lights. Higgins, further down the pipe, waved to him. Here he comes, he called. Manny strained his posture, tugged last wrinkles out of his shirt. He wasn't going for relaxed, but for at ease, let us say. In no rush, but readily primed for action. Higgins joined him as the approaching footsteps grew louder. The reflecting light cast a shadow in front of the approaching man. He stepped into and through his own dark reflection and looked warily from one man to another. He held nothing. One hand sat in his pocket. Where's what we want? Manny said. Back there, the man gestured with an empty hand. But the deal will not be finalized until you hold up your end. Uh-uh, Manny said. No way I just hand you our half and assume the merchandise works. No, of course not, the man who held nothing said. We will of course let you see the merchandise. Then you will give us what we asked for. And then, here he flashed a toothy grin, we will tell you how to operate the merchandise. Manny did not like it. Hated it, in fact. But the deadline loomed over him, a heavy black storm cloud pregnant with fury. Fine, he said. Just get out here, whatever it is. The man whistled. Slow, slapping steps from further in the pipe. And the slow grind of something heavy being dragged. Four members of the sewer tribe emerged from the dark, filmy eyes flinching in the bright light. Their skin glistened, damp and green. Hellcrook! They croaked, setting down their burden. Many waited until all four had retreated a ways before approaching said burden, a heavy wooden crate. Is it me, he said, or are they looking uh, even rougher than normal? Oh my, yes, said the man. Things seem to have, ha, accelerated 
since the kaiju fell. But that is none of your concern, I should think. He waved his unpocketed hand at the crate. Regard. Manny leaned down to look at the crate, a hand on its broad body. The crate lunged towards him, sending Manny ass backwards into the sewer water. Higgins offered his hand in help, but Manny threw it aside. He turned on the man and his cackling sewer friends. What the fuck is this? He demanded. Where are the fireworks? That there is the fireworks, the man said, face sedate but humor plain in his voice. A most curious fellow. Took us almost a week to ensnare it. A borrower, you see. But once it is fed, why, the phosphorescent show is spectacular. Manny felt cold terror flood his system. He was doomed. Worse than doomed, he was fucked utterly. If he was lucky, he would get the bike again. But God knew what sort of punishment Mr. Mack would enact for the one who humiliated him before the man McRae. Manny, Higgins' voice cut through the despair. Check this out. Manny joined him by the crate and peered through the slats once more, this time taking care not to touch the box. The borrower shifted its body like that of a bloated toad, but its hide. Manny felt his jaw drop. Fires every color of the rainbow coursed along its back, fires that flowed and twisted into innumerable shapes and images into faces. We are not liars, the man said. We are many things, and that number is multiplying. But we are not liars. So, do we have ourselves a deal? Yeah, Manny said. He retrieved the all-important piece of paper from his pocket. Such a thin thing to merit such salvation. I don't suppose you'll tell me why you want a map of Omen McRae's building? No, I will not. Manny shrugged. Fair enough. Now tell me how this thing works. The man removed his hand from his pocket. Fleshless fingers shone like knives in the dank light of the sewer. His bones removed the map from Manny's numb hand. Blood, he said. Blood and flesh. The more it eats, the brighter it show. So, so that means that night, when we saw the fireworks, five of our brightest, the man said. A tragedy, but I suppose they will live on in the flames that coat the beast's coat. Better to burn than fade, huh? The man faded himself back into the dark of the sewer. Soon, the only evidence of his presence were small ripples in the water and the echoing remains of the sewer tribe's wheezing laughter, which refused 
abate. Now what? Higgins said, eyeing the crate warily. Now, Manny said, we have to find some volunteers. Ten minutes now. Manny surveyed the city below. His body was weary, his hands still slick, but his mind was sharp and bright because he had done it, really done it. They wanted a show. Motherfuckers were getting a showstopper. Beneath him, the festivities raged. Spurred by McRae's wishes, the populace of his keep built towers, built carts, built platforms. Upon each of these they danced, to each of these they touched fire. Fire was a dance partner, a costume. Fire flickered and flew and licked. After this, he would be free. The past that so dogged him, now gone burned, cleansed anew, soon, nine minutes away. Behind him, Higgins yelped as the borrower snapped a bit too quickly at the proffered limb. It was a wonder the thing still had such an appetite, Manny thought. It had been eating all day. Order Officer Mustafa had plenty of bikes to fill now. Eight minutes to go. The best kind of deal, Manny reflected, was the kind where everyone got exactly what they wished for. McRae got his fireworks. Mr. Mack got to impress his boss. Plus, fresh blood for the bikes. Mustafa got to empty his jail. And Manny, well, Manny would be free. Seven minutes to go. Just one thing left to take care of. His fingers strayed to the steel in his pocket. Wafting heat from down below drew sweat from his brow, but the cool of the knife tempered it. He understood why Higgins had given him up. He did not even really blame the man. But that did not mean he forgave him. It's finished, Higgins called. Almost, Manny thought. Almost. Six minutes to go. The skin of the borrower was crackling with mounting heat and energy. Manny wondered at how the brightness of itself did not drive the creature mad. But then he noticed, and how had he missed it before, that the borrower had no eyes. He thought, all it has is the hunger. The thought surprised him, for he was not given to waxing romantic or considering plights other than his own. Higgins 
bloody Higgins panted behind him, reminding Manny of the task at hand. Said hand went to his pocket. Well done, he says he began to turn. But we're not quite a rush of smoke from below encased the rooftop in thick shadow in a night that possessed mass and texture. Cold fire lit in Manny's gut. His eyes bulged. Five minutes. Higgins, bloody Higgins, hands getting even damper. Four minutes. Manny moved, despite feeling entirely apart from his body. He could not feel his hand as it left his pocket. He could not feel the mass of the knife as he brought it up. It was only an echo that he felt as the knife pierced flesh and muscle to interrupt Higgins' windpipe. The other man let go, but Manny could not even if he wanted to. Higgins backed away, but Manny did not move, and so the knife twisted. Three minutes to go. All fall down. Toy soldiers. Timber. From outside the paralyzing cold that clutched his being, Manny heard a crunch. He managed to tilt his head back just enough to see that the borrower had loosed itself from the crate. The scent must have been too alluring. Higgins' hands clutched at the world one last time. Or maybe it was only a spasm or a trick of the dark light. There was one last crunch and a gulp and the sound of the rooftop creaking as the borrower began to move once more. Two minutes to showtime. Many supposed it was fitting. He had wanted freedom and now no walls or chains or laws would ever bind him again. He no longer would need to fear illness or injury, hunger or strife. He would burn and only that free of the past, safe from the future, elemental, pure. The smoke was thick, but he knew that he and his new brethren would burn bright enough to pierce it. The creature stood over him, seeming to consider Manny with its eyeless face. Manny struggled against agony and raised his hand to pat the monster's head. He could see his own handprint begin to glow. It's okay, he whispered. It's right. Manny supposed he would never know if the monster understood him. But after considering him a moment more, it lowered its head and began to eat. One minute, and then 
Manny thought or said he could no longer be sure. He watched as above him petals of fire bloomed from the dark. My God, I'm beautiful. Hi everybody, thank you for listening to this all new episode of Black Sun Dispatches, part of Cinepunk's podcast network. My name is Brent Foley and I write, produce, and perform the show. Uh, I didn't mean for this episode to be as long as it turned out to be, but uh, I'm really happy how it came out and I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. Black Sun Dispatch is only one of many great shows offered by the Cinepunk's podcast network, so please also check out uh, the Cinepunk show, Horror Business, The Mandate, uh, Loud Fast Philly, all, all kinds of great stuff. This week, I believe Hardbiz is doing an episode about The Changeling, which is one of the best ghost movies ever made. So if you know that film, or if you don't know that film, please check out that pot, please check out that episode. I'm sure it'll be a great one. Uh, there's also tons of great writing on Cinepunk's website, all of which you should check out from a ton of great writers. Uh, Cinepunk's and its programming is sponsored by Lehigh, Barrel, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. So please check them out and uh, cruise their wares. Uh, they produce lots of great stuff for the for the Cinepunks team. Uh, we love them, and they do great stuff. So again, it's Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. You can also be a sponsor of the shows on Cinepunks, including this one, by hitting up our Patreon, which you know we're, we're always happy to get sponsors from there. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's a huge, huge help, and help get the word out any way that you can about this weird-ass thing that hopefully you enjoy listening to every so often. Uh... You can follow me on Twitter at the True Brand F, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Black Sun Show for updates uh, and things like that. Uh, Black Sun Dispatch will return in a couple weeks uh, on July 30th with our next episode, A Thing on the Balcony. Uh, until then, the Black Sun Dispatch's logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers, and music is Winter by E.L. Heath. So like I said, I hope you guys like this episode. I hope you tune in for the, the next one in a couple weeks. And if you're new to the listener, uh, please check out all our previous episodes. They're free and available, and they're shorter than this one, at least. So thank you again for listening, and have a good one, guys. Bye.